Garden on the Moon is a knowledge center bringing together teachings, insights, experiences, stories, people, and beings. It is an evolutionary initiative that aims at the sharing of knowledge from its purest form, from all parts of the world, various backgrounds and spiritual paths, from nature really. It is a celebration of the living. Neil Arden is the executive chef of ABCV and chef of plant-based development for Jean-Georges in New York City. One of the pioneers of the plant-based food and gastronomy in New York and in the world, Neil is also a profound lover of nature and anything gardening. Any way he can, whether it is by the streets of his restaurants or in his small garden in Brooklyn, he grows the most beautiful plants, flowers and vegetables creating constant, uplifting and resilient beauty. We had a very nice conversation on food and plant, seeds and fashion. If you could introduce yourself to, to people, like where are you from? How did you come about working into the food industry and be uh, the head of um, ABCV, which is like one of the most um, incredible uh, vegan, I guess, vegetarian restaurant in New York City. Originally, I'm from Maine. And since I was young, I was always cooking at home with my family. And my parents always had kind of an interest in, in healthy cuisine and plant-based cuisine because of the, you know, their product of the 60s, kind of the hippies, let's say. And, um, you know, they always made bread and yogurt and things like that. So, and we always had a, a garden and uh, we always had a life that was sort of connected to the natural world, a lot of time out outdoors. So I think a lot of that uh, is part of why I ended up where I ended up. And basically, since I was a, a young man, I was working in kitchens also as a dishwasher or cook. And um, after enough time there i decided that uh, i wanted to make it my career you know and professionalize and learn more things so i came to new york to go to a natural foods culinary school uh the natural gourmet it's it's since uh closed and become part of another culinary school um and then uh, i've been here ever since and do you have brothers and sisters? Were they part of like, yeah. was cooking like a, a whole family thing? Or did you feel like you were the most connected one uh, into doing that? I have three sisters. And um, I think everybody participated a little bit. But I think that uh, my interest definitely took, took over. I probably did the majority cooking, I would say. So since, the- you know, since I was little, I always, you know, one of my first memories I was like five or six and I was asking for the there was like on the back of the cereal box there was like a a cookbook for kids and so I was asking for that you know Mm. so I was always always in the kitchen by my mother's side also and how about plants did you do you remember also like growing up loving wandering in the gardens like um, was that for you very a, a very natural connection for sure I mean 
I don't know that I connected it with food at that point in my life, but we definitely, like I said, we always had a big garden. My mother always gardened a lot. And, uh, you know, on Easter, we would get an Easter basket full of, there would be chocolate, but also seeds so that, you know, every spring it was time to plant. And we'd always have some flower seeds and some vegetable seeds that we could plant and watch. And, um, and gardening is something that my mother and I both still do. Um, everyone in my family cares a lot about plants and flowers. And so that's a family affair. That's great. And also, um, I, I love what you said about the seeds, you know, because I feel um, there's somehow, or maybe it's because, you know, some people are more interested in, uh, you know, relearning about food and their origin. But there's a, a, a higher interest in seeds these days in the food um, industry and um, the, you know, like the, the, the meaning of seeds is, is really important. How, how, do you, um, how do you work with seeds in, in the food industry, in a restaurant like, a, like this restaurant in New York City? Is that something that you guys are becoming more... Um, connected with or is it still something a bit like outside of like the, the food business i guess the way we connect with it is that you know chefs fall in love with certain varieties of of vegetables and fruits and and that comes you know through farmers that champion them and pick the seeds that are important to them and then you know the connection between the chef farmer is really how you interact with seeds Uh, one of the farmers that I work with the closest, like he's often working on things related to seeds. Um, for example, his wife is, grew up in Palestine and they worked on a seed recently for a squash that's similar to what she grew up with there. And um, they worked on making it available and they grow it now and I use it at the restaurant. But they were the ones who did the work to collaborate with a seed company to bring this piece of produce into our scene here so oh, that would be an example that's amazing so you're saying that seed is actually grown in palestine or is it grown here so, from palestine as i understand it there was a seed company here that was selling a seed for a squash that was very similar to something to the traditional squash that's eaten around a lot of the middle east and in palestine and places around there but they stopped selling it and These farmers had really loved it because it reminded them of what they grew up with. Basically, they took the seed and tried to dehybridize it and uh, make it an open pollinating plant and make it available to everybody. And it's actually named after one of the farmers mm. who, who worked on it. That's uh, her great. Her name is Haifa, and it's called Haifa's Best. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And it's, and it's delicious, you know. Who knows, you know, New York used to be known as this melting pot, you know, of people and culture. And, and, and maybe the time we're in is calling for like a seed pot <laughs> of mm -hmm. like newly growing yeah. seeds in the, in the region. Um, which is also, you know, leading to one question I had for you regarding local, you know, the, uh, the, the food, I mean, I, I don't want to say food industry, but food, you know, is is um, more and more, you know, interested in like having it local and creating local thing. Yet we live in a global world and it's so enriching also to have uh, this mingle of different culture. 
So as a, as a chef, as a gardener, as someone who's deeply rooted here, how do you see that um, balance, you know, almost um, playing? With the local thing, of course, of course, we don't have the infrastructure to live completely off of local food here. I think there's certain things that make more sense than others. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of people trying to do really out there things locally, like, uh, let's say, like a saffron farm or something. It's kind of neat, but it's not like, um, I don't know that that's like the, that we're going to have, we'd be growing all of our saffron that we want to use in this local area. So, whereas um, many things, it just comes down to like quality and taste. Ideally, your chef, your mm -hmm. gardener, like what would you want to grow and cook with in New York City? If you, if you, uh, yeah. if you could. There are some things I think that don't work that well here. There's some things that I try here and I, and I wonder why they even grow them. For example, um, sometimes I wonder why we grow peaches here because they just, they just don't taste very good. <laughs> sometimes I'll buy organic peaches from uh, the southern United States or California from farms that have very high standards. And I'll save my support of local food for other things that, that we do better here. For example, we have amazing tomatoes here, you know, which is which is far maybe far better than the West Coast. But I think you know, acknowledging what places do the best. I also have heard, you know, some things in this area, because of the specific climate here and the soil health here, there are certain things that to grow in New York State you have you you almost can't do organically. You have to use you know. Like someone once mentioned that it's it's very, very difficult. I don't know how true this is, but that it's very difficult to grow potatoes here. And so a lot of people spray their potatoes here, whereas in certain climates you don't have to because there's sort of a natural pest control because of the climate or the conditions where you are. So I think there could probably be more of a conversation about that, actually. Interesting. Actually, some people would even say that the food that grows well in a specific place grows well because that's what you're supposed to eat. So perhaps we're not supposed to eat peaches here <laughs> and it's better suited for um, southern states. But I feel, you know, we have a long way <laughs> to go to that. Always we've been um, moving around a lot and exchanging a lot and moving things around. That's just kind of human nature. Um, it was only... I mean, I think it's normal. I mean, even when uh, my dad was a kid, he talks about how around Christmas that train would come in with all like the clementines and oranges from California or Florida that you would get that on special occasions. But still the desire to move that stuff around and bring it everywhere and and just push the limits, that's that's very much human nature, I think. Mm, yeah, I, I think I think so. so I think it's best to embrace the global world um, For the best parts of it and um, try to figure out the negative parts and, and work against them. Right now, you, you have a, a garden in, in Brooklyn, right? Correct, yeah. Uh, what do you grow there right now? This is maybe boring, but my favorite part is always having a huge herb garden because, you know, when you're cooking uh, simple food, I cook pretty simple food at home, but having the access, I have probably... 12 different types of herbs in there right now. Having the access to just like pluck a little bit of, of fresh herb, it changes completely any meal. We also have a lot of flowers. Uh, I have uh, different types of blueberries. I have hydrangea, echinacea. I have an elderberry bush, as you know. I know. Uh, <laughs> uh, 
A beauty what for else? Wendell. What else? Yeah. It's, uh, we have Yarrow. What else? I have Jasmine. Uh, lots of uh, Dahlia coming soon. Rhubarb. Is that your sanctuary? Your garden? Sometimes, for sure, for sure. It feels if you go back there, it kind of feels like you're not in New York, actually. So that's that's good for me. In fact, you know, we've been knowing each other for for quite some times now, and and you know, we're friends. And I'm I'm so amazed on how how you're able to be so composed and so rooted with the job you have in a city like New York. And how do you do that? Is it actually through connecting with food and plants the way you do? Um, is it your nature? Uh, I think it's a mix of things. I mean, I definitely think uh, a big part of my nature is to be calm and rooted and focused. And, um, you know, that's something I've had with me my whole life. But I think You know, after this many years, I've learned how to better live here, how to construct uh, my own little world and uh, how to find um, peace in the chaos, so to speak. How do and you do that? Uh, People are definitely looking plants help. for My house answer. is full of plants. Fortunately, everyone has to find their own answer, right? <laughs> right. Uh, no, I think also, uh, you know, as we spoke earlier, I have uh, three sisters that grew up in a loud, uh, crowded, small house. And so I've always looked for the private corners of the world to be peaceful in the middle of chaos, you know? So I'm, I guess I'm just more used to looking for it than some people, mm. but definitely, definitely having a, you know, being surrounded by plants and, you know, blocking out the kind of, you know, concrete jungle and loud noises is always helpful. Are you excited to live in a city um, today? Do you think, um, you know, I feel, There's many theories about what COVID, you know, um, did in terms of like the, the future of cities. And some people, you know, predict the end of cities. Others feel it's actually going to be a revival. What's your, what's your feeling about New York City right now or cities in general? Uh, I mean, I feel like it's just a perpetual cycle. But, you know, when people leave the city, abandon the city, the city changes, but then it becomes more open to new people it's especially new york city it's one of the great greatest cities in the world you know where there's always been a, a a flow of people coming and going and it's unstoppable it's also, it's like a financial center it's a cultural center it's you know there's always a draw of some kind even when it was in its worst moments it wasn't it wasn't empty or abandoned you know also i think that covid and really anything else can't change um i guess the, the human desire to be communal and to you know to be near each other and creating big things and like trying to be successful and you know that's all that's all taking place here that's not going to change i mean just because uh some tech companies don't want to have a midtown office um, doesn't mean that there's not a you know, a different or better use for that real estate, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's true. Um, so is that your city, you'd say? If there's any city for me, it's New York, but I'm pretty, I'm pretty conflicted. You know, I like nature a lot, but I don't know. So it's hard sometimes. <laughs> In a way, I feel like New York is nature. 
you know it's all of us it's it's yeah. uh, it's nature it's a jungle it's a jungle for sure so yeah. now tell me a little bit more about your food like the philosophy of your food if you had to describe to someone living in bhutan um what is your food about what would you say i mean obviously it's about vegetables <laughs> that's mostly what i cook um it's about uh i guess i've always been drawn to this type of food because it's um it just has a a more positive impact on self and the world around you the community around you the um the environment you live in it's very low impact gentle um uh, quiet kind of food that i think is uh there needs to be more of so i was always for the past 20 years of my life trying to work towards developing the the food that i wanted to eat that i didn't see in the world so that's what i would say it's about and there's a lot of other things that stem from that obviously so there's like the connection to the people who make and provide the ingredients and there's the connection to the people who who eat it and also the people who make it alongside of me my coworkers and employees and there's obviously so much more that goes into it but that's how i would start it out and when you see a vegetable like do you feel like do you see it as like almost a being or do you see it as a vegetable or like you know maybe i can i can share my my own life example but um as you know i love flowers too uh and mm -hmm. i love you know making bouquet and and things like that mm -hmm. and it's true that when i do uh, walk with flowers when i see flowers when i touch them i truly feel like you know they they're just other beings you know <laughs> on this earth and perhaps that's why i i treasure them so much and i and i feel like when i eat at your restaurant and i see those plates that are so beautifully cared um i wonder if you if you see also the food that way you know so that you would care about it so much when i look at the vegetables i see them i'm like envisioning the whole context of everything that would be around them so when we're plating our food or when i'm showing the cooks how to make it i always tell them to essentially to make the garden you know everything is like looking like a a garden you know everything should be like i love that. a little bit a little bit wild but a little bit organized in a natural way and with a you know the right colors and the right balance and obviously that's a hard thing to teach at first but you that's know how i love that I, that's also what i feel when i eat your food that it's 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 just life it's life on a plate um and i like that it's not too manicure to control to like fit a certain yeah. way in fact it's alive and uh, you do it so beautifully speaking going back to your employees and the team and everyone like um who were your teachers well i mean obviously uh, as i said earlier i was cooking cooking in my home so that would be my first uh, teacher would be my parents of course I mean, they teach you how to put the food into your mouth and live. So that would be the first start. I mean, I've I've 
worked with a lot of people over the years that I think have all added to my knowledge and experience. You know, I don't, I don't know if there's like any one great mentor, but there was definitely a couple of chefs I worked for that really inspired me to take it on. But I mean, everybody teaches you things all the time. I mean, even the people who work for me also teach me things that I've never seen on a regular basis. And what about people even outside the food industry? Like maybe, maybe absolutely. teachers from, you know, the musical world or would you have yeah, absolutely. people like I that? I mean, I, I, yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm, I'm interested in many, many forms of culture and how uh, food fits into that, how it fits. Uh, I feel like sometimes people forget about food when they're thinking about uh, arts and culture it becomes kind of this extraneous thing off to the side. So I don't know. I, I try to encourage people to connect it in their mind. I'm a huge music lover. I love uh, various types of art and especially photography and like the visual and the auditory. I love, I love all of that. And I think it connects all the senses, you know, food is, can be different. I mean, it can just be like, survival or it can be beautiful so i think it's it's hard there's like you, there's no reason you would look at a painting for survival so <laughs> it's a different world i would say um sometimes painting could be a a way of survival in a way because it's almost like mm. a a message of like despair or you know like survival almost um yeah. but I, I see what you're saying i i see it's um, not as um immediate though you know what I mean? right right exactly and actually do you feel like food can be political oh yeah yeah of course of course i mean it, it's not that it can be it's that it inherently always is how so i mean where where it comes from how it's produced how you take care of it how you prepare it how you feed it to people it's all important. I mean, um, right now there's more of an interest in the origins of food than ever before, um, which is important. You know, it's uh, if you think like from my childhood in the United States where, you know, nobody really even thought about, you know, for example, people go to McDonald's and not care at all where anything came from there and just eat a meal there to present day where everybody wants to know everything about everything and everybody's an expert and amateur uh, foodie kind of thing. Um, it's quite I mean, a in very small part of this of the country, though, you know, most of America is still really much going to McDonald's and all. Yes, of course. But I think even in even outside of New York, even in rural areas, there's a the farmer's market and the, the local food movements are everywhere now, everywhere. And there's so much uh, information available to everybody that wasn't before. Exchange of information is faster, too. So I think you'd be surprised even in small places like in the Midwest and stuff, they might find pockets of... Uh, but but anyway, the, the, the point is food is always political because it takes um, so many people and... Uh, it takes also the earth, sometimes animals, resources, all of that to, to make it happen. Um, and it also affects 
people's health, which health is also a very political thing. So it's always, there's always like many layers of the political reality of food. How can we play into that? Like, do you feel like changes will, like improvements, you know, of the, of the food industry and has to come from like, you know, like from the, the people themselves and the way they consume? Can it only happen from the top? Can it can it be contributed through like actually more high-end restaurant like yours um that kind of like set up the tone like you know there's always this debate about healthy food is more expensive you know how you how can you give healthy food to 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 everyone oh, yeah so i think part of the problem is that it, it, it does have to be sort of from the top part of the reason healthy food is more expensive is because uh, a lot of the foods that you might be calling quote-unquote healthy are not subsidized um, by the U.S. government and a lot of unhealthy foods are, uh, especially a lot of animal products are are subsidized heavily by the U.S. government. And a lot of industrial products like corn and soybeans, not just U.S. government, other, other world governments as well. So that's part of the problem. So yeah, there does need to be a change in the way we allocate you know, farm subsidies and also a change in laws in general. Also, so much of what's subsidized should actually be at a higher tax burden because of the effect it has on public health is so negative. Um, so it's completely backwards in, in my, from my view. Do you see it improving in the U.S.? I do. I mean, I think there's a, the health food market has been consistently growing without dipping at all for many, many years. And the, again, the knowledge people have about where their food comes from has expanded dramatically in my life. So I see that improving, but sometimes you might be armed with the information and you might want a different kind of food, but you might not even have access to it because of the way the whole food infrastructure is set up. Do you think one country in the world is doing it better than anyone? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a range. I mean, I think Nobody is really nailing it, to be honest. But there's places that do it a little better. Like where? Um, well, I mean, it depends on which aspect you're talking about, right? So, um, I mean, there's places that have better, better public health and in general and better access to food, like, and that have also traditions of of certain healing foods. Or I, I would say. You know, like, for example, in, in Japan, they have, like, the tradition of eating all kinds of wild foods in the spring, which that's that's wonderful. And they have, um, but they also have their pro their problems, too. Just like the U.S., they use massive amounts of pesticides on their food. But, yeah, there's certain traditional, traditional um, ways of eating and, and living and all over the world that are healthier than the modern American sort of farming and diet. But I, I, I would say that there's probably not one country you could point to that's really nailing it. So now tell me a little bit more about this plant-based movement that we are seeing. Mm -hmm. Like, how do you how do you see that? And I would actually tie it up to like um, wellness, the wellness movement in general. Like, do you feel like it's... it's um, it's something that 
you know big cities are experiencing and it's almost like an awakening in some ways in 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 some important truth do you see it as another like commercial you know aspect of our consumption like in a way sometimes i even wonder myself like should we even label something like wellness or plant-based like it's just about life you know and um do, do we need to put that in like boxes I would love to hear mm-hmm. your view on that. Yeah, I agree. The labels can be a little silly and a little corny. I mean, I, I mean, we need some kind of term to describe different ways of eating and living. So there has to be something to call it. But, but yeah, sometimes plant-based sounds a little silly. I think, uh, and to your point about um, whether or not it's just commercialism and, or whether there's like a genuine movement, I think there's a genuine movement, um, and because we live in a very capitalist society, people saw that there was money to be made off of people's beliefs and people's desire to live differently. So it's a little bit of both, you know. I do think it is a genuine um, growing interest in eating differently. And how would you define wellness? I mean, for me, it's a simple formula. It's... uh, Feeling free of free of um, illness and uh, like physical and mental kind of blockage or or detriment, you know, just like a a sense of uh, peace and a sense and feeling uh, good to wake up every day and um, comfortable in your own skin. And there's many ways to get there, but do you have specific ways yourself to get there? Yeah, of course. I mean, I I eat a specific way that feels good to me, which is largely plants. You know, I I don't do anything crazy. I just like to, uh, you know, exercise and spend enough time. For me, one important thing to my wellness is to spend enough time uh, alone without loud noises and uh, just, you know, be like peaceful and but um, obviously, it's a little bit of a difficult balance with my career. So I'm always trying to, that's the number one thing I'm trying to mitigate. The number one force that's the enemy of my wellness is my job. I feel like I facilitate wellness for other people, but I don't always get to have it myself. So I'm working more on that. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's an important point. In fact, it's interesting also what you say, because I agree with you, the notion of like noise and um, silence or even like eating in in a more like quiet place to me is such an important way to truly appreciate the food. And Mm -hmm. I feel in New York City, it's the opposite. (laughs) It's usually very loud in restaurants and very lively. And yeah, it's an interesting comparison you know so what are you eating these days these days what do you love to eat i ate cherries earlier they were delicious i was gonna say this time here it's all about the fruit yeah fruit is the best and tomatoes and things but i feel like it's also always changing because things that you ate a lot of one year sometimes they don't suit you anymore i start to find that all the um Summer things that I love, like eggplants and tomatoes and things lately, I have a hard time eating them. So, 
it's changing constantly. So right now, what are you most excited to make on your menu? I mean, my I'm most excited by playing around with new things. Once I once I make something and put it into the world, I don't want to see it again. No, but I, my job is to is to create and innovate, and we're trying to like push the cuisine, this type of food, further and make it something that people love, and um, but that inspires them. So we're just constantly trying to do new things. So I sometimes I when I have something new, I've worked on it so much that I'm so sick of it. I don't want to see it anymore. I don't want to taste it anymore. But it's not for me anyway. I'm trying to create for other people, really. Sometimes when I'm at my house, I just don't, I eat like um, some rice and pickles and, you know, some greens or, you know, or something that my wife makes. I don't, you know, I don't, um, I don't do this at home, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that's actually interesting when you, when you're creating, innovating, like for others, like who do you have in mind? Who's like your... You you know your archetype of like the the person who would eat your food. There's many different ones. It ha I mean, any restaurant to be successful, you have to have uh, several different types of people in mind. But I think it's unique at this particular restaurant because I don't think it necessarily has a built-in fan base. You know, like if you open a steakhouse, you know who your clientele is. It hasn't changed. It's a very good, as actually a very good business to open because. It's very standard, and you know, as long as you're in the right neighborhood and you have the right aesthetic, and you're probably bound to succeed if your costs are good. But this is different. It's kind of um, still evolving. I've been in this field for a while, and like 10 years ago, it was a little more like just the dedicated believers. And now it's every year, it's more and more just everyday people coming in. So it, yeah, it changes every year. It's hard to say. Hard to say. I just try to create things that um, you know anybody can love, like food lovers can love, like people who are interested in in plants and open-minded and you know sort of like modern people, I guess, of all stripes. What are your dreams, Neil? I, I have many. I mean, I well, my one primary dream is to be able to do. Right, you know, right now we do a lot of a lot of volume. We we feed a lot of people, and I've always wanted to do something a little smaller, a little more boutique, a little more special. That's really focused and hands on. And but then again, sometimes I think I want to do something bigger and do multiple multiple restaurants and feed a lot of people and like spread uh, spread the ideas of the food further, which is probably actually more what I'm doing right now. Mm -hmm. Because we are gonna, you know, do do more restaurants and stuff with this type of cuisine. I think what's um, interesting and and the challenge also, I mean, from my perspective, with your food is how to tell the story. You know, like uh, beyond you know just eating it, of course. But I feel like there's so much you know behind each ingredient you curated, like behind the farmers you're connected with and 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 sometimes i feel like it, it's sad that we're missing you know those points that are actually teaching us you know like it's uh 
in a way, and maybe it's also maybe because I'm French and we're like obsessed about food and that, and we need to know <laughs> everything about what we're eating. And in fact, we're thinking of it all the time. But I feel sometimes in the US, people are just like consuming so fast without even taking the time to kind of like tune in with what they're consuming. And I feel especially with such well handcrafted a place like yours, it, it it would be so powerful, you know, for Americans to reconnect with who they are from that perspective. Mm -hmm. Is that something you, you think is like even feasible nowadays? Is that something you're thinking of? Like how logistically could this work out? Is that something that you think will work organically with people, you know, going on the Instagram, doing their research? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, the, the customers, they definitely want to know where stuff comes from. They want to know stories for sure. Mm. I mean, I try to tell as many stories as possible to the, to the staff working here so they can share that with the, the people coming in to dine. And I think people, they really do care a lot more than ever. A lot of my customers also, they go to the same farms at the farmer's market that we go to. So there is a, a desire to connect especially since so many things now are so many things are just um delivered to your house or, or ordered online or you know i think that dining out is becoming more experiential in that sense it's more of like just like it's an unnecessary luxury like you don't need to go out to eat you can get anything brought to your house so when you go out you kind of want to have more connection somehow to the the people making your food, bringing you food. When when is your next TV show? Would you love to teach yeah. how others to cook? Honestly, I I like teaching when it's necessary, but it's pretty tiring to do. You know, it really takes a lot. Uh, you have to put a lot into it, and I spend uh, most of my day teaching people how to cook. So some days I don't know if I have anything left. <laughs> right, right. So now I have a random question, but like, what got you so much into fashion? Oh, into fashion? Because people don't know, don't know, but you are one of the most fashionable person I know. Yeah. <laughs> you care so oh, yeah. much about... Uh, wow, that's, that's, yeah. that's a big compliment. <laughs> no, I, I think what it is, is I'm a very... Uh, well, I like beauty, and there's beauty, and fashion is aesthetic also. Um, but... I'm a very like tactile person. I like the feel of things, but I like the color of things, and like you know, clothing is the same. It also has a lot of uh, there's a lot of story behind clothes too. How they're made, who made them, what are the materials? It can be very good or very bad, just like food. You're right. It's very powerful. But I, I'm very, I'm very like sensitive to my environment also. So I don't like you know, like the clothing that you put on your body. I think can affect you a lot as much as the things you put inside your body so. i totally agree it's same with the skincare you use same with everything yes. basically you know the yeah. the aromas you smell and and all that so do you have any uh big uh plans to travel and explore like if if you were to like explore a food place where would that be i mean i had uh, some plane tickets to go visit Japan, but I think uh, 
going to have to cancel it because of the uh, current state of the COVID there. So I might, we might go to, uh, to Europe instead, but, um, I, I would love to explore China, which I've never been to. And, uh, I've been to India before, but I would love to go back and go to the South and explore the food more of Mexico, a lot of places, Southeast Asia, which I've been to, but I would like to go back to countries I haven't been to like Vietnam, Cambodia. I have a long list. <laughs> Good, me too. <laughs> and what about in the U.S.? What are your favorite places in the U.S. to go to and wander and explore? Well, uh, I think you know my, my favorite place besides home in Maine is um, uh, we like to go to the Southwest. Uh, I love the desert. I really, uh, for some reason, connect with it quite a bit. The smells and the feel and the expanse. Uh, I grew up on the ocean, and for me, the, the, the two best places are either on the ocean or in the desert. Mm. And they, I feel like they have a lot of similarities. As opposite as they are, they're also just like the, the vastness and the ability to sort of get lost in it, um, the expanse. They're very peaceful places also. Very intense, but very peaceful. Are you into like yeah. uh, Ayurveda or Chinese medicine or those type of uh, healing uh, systems? I think they're interesting and they have a lot of rich history, but my focus is more on, um, you know, taking the full range of what's available and, and sort of like making beautiful and delicious things out of it. And I feel like in the back of my mind, I always have a little bit of a, uh, intuitive sense of those things and the connection to them but i don't it, it's not my whole i'm not trying to uh fit specifically into any particular healing tradition because i think that would be a little too limiting at this point you know but like for example you know ayurveda is all about the dosha based on the elements and some people are more mm -hmm. you know um they're constituted of more of the elements versus another like Do you feel that mm -hmm. in yourself? Like, do you feel a strong sense of yeah. like earth and water versus, you know, air, for example? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I do feel that. Again, intuitively, not like, no, fully by having studied that, but I, you know, I have an intuitive sense of that about myself. Um, when we make the menu here, well, right now we're a bit short staffed, so the menu is quite small thanks to our friend COVID. But it's still amazing it's large... for everyone's listening. Yeah, but <laughs> but there's still normally there's a larger menu, and um, part of the reason why is because people can pick the types of things that appeal to them because people eat differently, and you can create a meal that has um, the elements that speak to you. I mean, you can you know. There's things made with uh, roots and things made with leaves and things made with uh, mushrooms. And actually, at one point when we had a menu large enough, I, I wanted to divide the menu by those sections. You could really almost pick cooking style or ingredient style. That would be so amazing. You know what? We were talking about the story earlier, how to tell the story of your food and how they connect with people. That is it. And in fact, I already like mm. the way you set up your menu with like fresh and light, like warming and nurturing, something like that, because, <laughs> because I do feel it's so important. And you know what you said about your intuition? This is gold. 
I wish you had the recipe, you know, for to teach to people because to me, having worked in wellness for so long, like that's the key thing is connecting with your intuition and you'll be healthier um, rather than just following steps and, you know, pre-made um, questionnaire. <laughs> um, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's the intuition that you have is 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 gold, and it's like how to teach it to people. I do teach it to a lot of people yeah. <laughs> behind the scenes. Yeah, exactly, exactly, and I think they are very um, supportive of that, at least when they share your your message. So, in fact, the, the people you're working with are they. Are they mainly from, you know, um, New York? Are they from all over America? Are they young? Who who are you teaching it to? I would say more young people, but there's older people too. Uh, and really people from all over the world. We work with, um, you know, a lot of people from different parts of the U.S., but also a lot of people from other countries too. Thank mm. you so much. Thank you to everyone for listening to this conversation. An immense thank you to Neil um, for sharing your insights and uh, profound uh, love of nature and and beauty. And thank you always, uh, Marcus Underwood, for leading the production of the Garden and the Moon podcast uh, channel.